broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. You never. You never know what's around the corner. But uh, I really do feel like I've been through more than a lot of people can say they've been through in their first season. So um, it does give you confidence and. Hey, man, whatever comes at me, I know I can handle it. Um, obviously, you don't want to go through what we've gone through again this year, and I have confidence we won't. But, yeah, that gives you a little bit of just, man, whatever's around the corner, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to keep being me every day and just keep being that same person. And that's, I think, the biggest thing, like I've, I've said before to you guys, is being consistent. That's Trevor Lawrence, Football at 5. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Wednesday. Hey, you know what we have? We have a couple of... Uh, ECHL All-Star Game tickets to give away. That's coming up on Monday, January 17th. Pretty cool. Iceman obviously on fire, playing really good hockey, but they're on the road now until the All-Star Game. They'll take on some of the best in the ECHL. That's the way it works. It'll be the Iceman team mm -hmm. against the rest of the ECHL. And uh, so let's give away a couple of tickets. Uh, we'll get your name and your email. We'll send them your way. And uh, here's what you do, 904-362-9901. Give Casey a call, 904-362-9901. Let's say caller number three for a hat trick. How about that? Oh, I That's like a good that. hockey term. I see you, bro, with the uh, hockey terms. <laughs> Icings, you know what I'm talking about? I got yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> see you, man. So anyway, uh, caller number three, 904-362-9901 for some all-star game hockey tickets uh, here in town, which will be really cool. We'll have more coverage of it next week. I think it's it's been two years in the making, Yeah, uh, and the Icemen are doing really well, so a lot of fun right now around the uh, Jacksonville Icemen. As we begin football at five here, I want to ask you something, because this team has obviously gone through a lot, the Jags. Mm. Do you think, you, you don't obviously know everything they've gone through, but do you think outside looking in, listening to their admission that a lot has gone on, right, from yep. other players are saying that? I mean, Josh Allen basically said today, I can't wait till we get to a point in Jacksonville where we can just play football, right? And so I don't have to answer all these questions or have to worry about all these other things outside of who's the next coach and who's this and who's that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought it was a good point, right? I mean, when is the last time this franchise has had a team that can just go out there and play football? Well, it's probably their one successful season a month into the next year in 2018, then it was everything was hitting the fan. And you've been, you played in the league and played with different organizations. Do you think, do you get the sense that maybe some of this was over-dramatized at how much they went through mm. inside there? Or do you get the sense that they went through a lot and even some of the things that you experienced as a player and, and people would be like, damn, what the hell is that all about? Like, yeah. So, this would have probably taken the cake if you were playing in this locker room. So you're talking about in totality, right, of the yeah. entire season? I mean, you put the wins and losses together, yeah. that's one thing, right? Yeah. Put the Urban Meyer stuff, the the whatever yeah. else has gone on, the stuff that we don't even know about. So, you know, I, I vividly remember back in 2012 and just what the mood was, what the conversations were like, um, having only won two games ourselves and everything. And, yeah, the, it was a very bleak locker room and you know coming to work every single day wasn't the funnest thing to do but I think and I, I, I spoke on this before a little bit like it was yeah it was rough it was a nightmare and, and and some players probably didn't agree with some of the coaches and all that stuff okay that's fine but like I always felt like we were still tight-knit and like we, we, we were never 
it was a, it was an us versus them mentality in terms of how we felt about the media and then the fans because you know I mean we're getting torn apart because you know, we only won two games so that's gonna happen obviously but like we were still pretty tight knit. I think if you want to compare that season to this season, I mean I think this season in terms of just dreariness, dreariness, whatever you want to say, however you pronounce it, is like amplified times ten because. You know, we're not privileged to see what's going on in the locker rooms. We're not privileged to, to really getting a vibe because that's, that's where you do your, your work, Brent. You know, you go in the locker room, you kind of see how guys are acting. You kind of see what the atmosphere is like. All we got is when guys can decompress a little bit, get in front of the camera, and, and try to be as professional as possible. Usually those outbursts, usually the, that frustration, it seeps through in the locker room because that's kind of like their sanctuary, right? Well, you didn't get that this year. So it's kind of hard to tell and pinpoint exactly how bad it is. But I just think when you couple it with all the Urban Meyer drama, when you couple it with, you know, the incident in Cincinnati and him not riding the team plane, like, I, I can't imagine what those conversations were like after that incident, right? And then he gets fired and all that stuff. Like, I, I think it, it, it's so far worse than what I had to endure. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, I, I get the sense it is, too. Now, I think a little bit of it I got to be careful of is... We're living in the now, right? sure. prisoner of the moment, a little recency bias. Uh, but I, I honestly try to. I've said this many times this year. You can tell me this is the worst team and this is the bad team. and this uh, like I remember that. All, again, I, 2011 sticks out to me as one of the worst teams I've ever watched because of their offense. You mm. guys were good on defense, but it was a painful offense to watch. I actually think this offense is not as painful to watch, but the product and the results are actually worse. Yeah. Because of the points and everything. I don't feel like it's as painful to watch, and maybe I just don't feel like it's playing in a box like that offense. And meanwhile, that team, your team somehow won five games that year. Mm -hmm. That was 2011. Mm -hmm. And so people say, like, I always say it's the worst year. And people are like, you mean 2012? No, actually, I think 2011 was a worse product to watch offensively than even 2012 when you won two games. So I try to keep all that in mind, what I've seen. Yeah. And 11 was always like this, oh, my God gosh like what is this like you can't function as an offense with the people you have out there the quarterback you have out there what you're trying to run I, all you're doing is handing the football off to Maurice Jones through that's like all you're doing yeah right and so but I really do feel like this is maybe the worst product I've seen and and I think it's hard to believe it because they got the quarterback like I really think this kid will be the best quarterback that has played here in at least a decade mm -hmm. If you really look at it, I think at the end of the day, he will be. And I just guess I found it hard to believe. My expectation for this offense was it to be a mediocre offense, not to be a record-breaking bad offense. Mm -hmm. And uh, relatively speaking, I can't believe it's worse than some of the ones that we've seen around here Yeah, a, a, with some of the quarterback play that we've seen around here. I mean, I think you can compare 2019 to being bad just because, like, the whole Ramsey. Like, there's there a lot of things yeah, well, that went down. But here's how I look at that. Like, yeah, you had the Ramsey drama. I think that was, was that Grievance Gate as well or not? Uh, yeah, actually it was. So that was Grievance. So the, there, there, was, there was a lot That's of things. So, I mean, the, that was a nightmare. And then Telvin, I mean, that doesn't, I don't know if you really count that as a dis uh, that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that so, whole year, really, that's a good It was a point. weird year. But, you know, with, and I, the, the Jalen thing sticks out to me the most because, you know, he's one of the, he's probably the best corner back in the NFL. And it was so, loud. It was it national. Was so it was loud. everything, yeah. right? It was three weeks worth of it. That sticks out to me a lot. But... You know, through the talent that Jalen Ramsey brought to the table, like, in terms of leadership, 
I'm not sure if people in that locker room viewed him as a leader. Like, they didn't vote him a captain, I don't think. So, like, that shows you something. Yeah, but, so, like, yeah, he had influence because you're, you're the best player on the team, so you're going to have influence, obviously. But, like, in terms of leadership, I'm not sure. Like, you know, I think, like I just said, it was Jalen being Jalen. Yeah. Well, the reason why I say this season is the worst, and I get it, we're living in the moment, but, like, Urban Meyer was brought in to turn everything around. Yeah, yeah. He was brought in to turn the culture around and all this stuff and, and start anew. And then it, it kind of got worse. Like, he, he was the guy that was put in power to be the leader, and the leader failed you. And when the leader fails you, well, then you're just left with the, with the guys holding the blame. So that's why I think this year, more than any other year, um, has been hard for these players to play for just because – your, your leader didn't turn out to be the guy you thought he was going to be. Yeah, that's that's a good call. And, and I think through that, you had at least Marone was trying to keep it together in 19. But, boy, I tell you, you know, we, we, we kind of – we don't think of enough about 2019 as being – I mean, because you're right, it started with Telvin. That was in the offseason. Well, yeah, it started, well, it started with Coughlin saying 100% participation. Well, it did. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was that. It was yeah. Telvin never the showing Kelvin, up and yeah. retiring. It was Jalen and that whole saga for a month early in the season, too. That was pretty early in the season. Yeah. Then it ended with Jan and Coughlin stuff. I well, mean, there I remember, was a and, lot and Jan going, going after Tony Khan, that whole thing, yeah. too. So, and by the yeah. way, Minshew... In the middle of it all was actually keeping it afloat. That's why it didn't feel as bad from a national perspective, yeah. right? Because he was going too much six fun with Minshew over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was nineteen, right? I'm right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would yeah. been nineteen. Yeah. So, it's pretty wild. I think the other thing yeah. about that is that you realize about that football team, at least with all the stuff going on, you still thought you had some good players. We didn't know about Minshew for sure, but he was at least a, an interesting curiosity. Yeah. You had Jan. You had Calais Campbell. You had players like that that you knew had done it well before, and they were good players. Mm -hmm. The problem right now is what is here mm -hmm. in terms of I've done this in the NFL, and you can count on me doing this again in the NFL. It's not a lot right now. So from a team where it is and how much needs to rebuild from a what happened inside the building, I will say this is certainly not the most toxic locker room. I've, I think there, this won't even be close to that. But and, and in credit to those guys for keeping that part together. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to look back at just how much they've had to endure. And again, you played on one of those teams. 2011, 2012 around here were not easy. No. Uh, and, no. and the last part of it for me is I think this it gets to the point, it goes a little bit to this latest movement, but even without the movement, I think fans are to the point where it's like, golly, man, I mean, how much more do we have to endure? Like, it's one thing to have it in 2011 and 12, mm -hmm. right? Well, that in 2010, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. In 2007, they'd gone to the playoffs. Like, that was still kind of all fresh. And, well, now you're a decade later, and it's like you've had 2011 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and yeah. 19 and 20. Yeah, yeah. I mean, holy cow. Like, what else do you want us to endure around here, mm -hmm. right? So there's a little bit of that element where for the people in the building, yeah. the players in the building, they have to see it. They, they can't avoid it, they're well, right, because they're getting asked about it, and they feel it. Let me ask you this, though, Brent. Let's come Because I think 19 was polarizing for a lot of reasons. Do you think from covering it – from your side, you think 19 was worse or was this year worse? Because, like, the reason why I say this year, I don't know, 19, you had to say goodbye to Jalen Ramsey. You had to say goodbye to Yannick Ngakwe. You had the NFLPA coming out and saying, don't go to Jacksonville. Like, that, that, that was a black eye on the Jacksonville Jaguars, definitely. But, like, I just feel like this year hurt so much because there was so much optimism and hope of things finally get turned around. And, like, this is it. You made the right decision by an Urban Meyer. 
and then you're kind of left at the altar, and it's like, wow, we were completely wrong, and now we're stuck where we're at again. So, like, to me, I think just from a level of disappointment and underachieving, this year takes the cake because we all had that hope. We had Trevor Lawrence. He had Urban Meyer. He thought it was going to be a match made in heaven, and it was anything but that. Well, and, and a little bit of it was in 19. It's like, holy cow, is all this happening? Yeah. You know, and you didn't, again, you're still two years away from the AFC Championship game, that first month of the year, like, all right, maybe this is all bad. All right, Jalen's, uh, but you got two first-rounders, and you got a fourth, and so now you can fix it. You might have Minshew as the guy. You're going to let it play out that way. Uh, you know, it's not going great, but it's not like, well, to your point now, I think your expectations were a little lower in 19 to going into 20 where it was headed. Mm -hmm. Your expectations going this year were way more. Mm -hmm. And I'll add one more thing, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit. And I just tweeted out. I said, I think COVID has impacted the Jacksonville Jaguars organization more than we, we know. Okay. And when we think of COVID, we think of, and again, this could be just my perspective, but we think of COVID, we think of, okay, guys missing games, right? Or they're out of practice or oh, what a mess it was last week or a couple weeks ago. Yeah, last week last going week. to New England. And uh, th that's one way. I, I don't think of it that way. I think all teams have had to deal with that. I think what's really hurt this organization this year, especially, but even the last two years, is when you win just three games mm. in this town where the Jags mean a lot. And it's really like the biggest thing in Jacksonville. I think when you have guys that you can see at community events, players, you feel like you can reach out and touch them. You can communicate with them. You can have your kids take a picture with them. You can get an autograph with them. You can come out to Strings and see Shaq Griffin, who has this great personality, and it's like, hey, man, don't worry. We're going to fix it, and he can convince you that with his smile, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we've had a little bit of that with Jihad and James Robinson coming out to our Monday night show, but there hasn't been a lot of that. From a sales perspective, I would think even from a sponsorship-type perspective, there are probably events that go on inside the building or outside the building where players usually will come out. And, and be a part of. And you get to meet and greet and get to know. And from our perspective, where we're in the locker room, we get to know, meet and greet these all these new players over the last couple of years. Where quite frankly, as a guy who covers the team just as much as anybody in Jacksonville has for the last decade, I don't feel like I know most of the players in that locker room. Yeah. You know? And and there that trickles down to the coaches. Like, we don't know the coaches. Like, we, we have no relationships with the coaches. If you're in the building and you're covering it, like, there are, some of the be people go in the building more often. Mm -hmm. They still don't – yeah, you have a, maybe a little bit more of a feel, but not much. Everything's on Zoom. It's easier on Zoom. I'm guilty of that. I mean, it, you can go on Zoom or online and see everything the last two years. It actually is easier with your schedule. You can make more things rather than go park yourself down at the building for a couple of hours and just for a 15-minute interview, yeah. you know? So, I mean, we're a little bit of guilty of this as well. But my point being, there is a lack of relationships with the players and coaches and people in the building in the outside world, whether that's fans, whether that's media, whether that's sponsorships, whether that's whatever, that I think would help you navigate this terrible performance on the field better than it is. And what it's made is almost like this no-holds-barred feel. And I said this the last couple of days. I don't feel like there's many people defending the organization. From people like me, who's usually sunshine and rainbows and positive and can find a positive way to go about it. Yeah. To people who might have a relationship and can pick up the phone uh, as a coach and be like, hey, man, this is what we're trying to do. Or this is what we've had situations in the past where you could sit 
in that building with a coach or talk to him in the hallway outside of media time mm-hmm. and get a perspective of like, okay, I see what they're trying to do there. Maybe they're spinning it a little bit, but I'm seeing what they're trying to do there. So I think there's a lot of ways. This in organization, I think that stuff matters. I think when you go through two years of losing, I think that stuff matters. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think we've missed that. And not just I'm, ta- I'm not just talking the media. You're getting my perspective. But I think the fans, too. I think the fans not being able to get autographs and, and take pictures with these guys and meet who they are, I think they feel detached a little bit. That's not the Jags' fault, by the way. I'm not blaming anybody. Sure. I think it's more circumstantial, but I don't think it's helped at all. Uh, help develop relationships with these players and coaches and maybe some loyalties built in, you know what I mean? No, I get what you're saying, but I think from the players' side, you know, right now with COVID, there is a little bit of, of a barrier that's built up between the locker room, the facilities, just yourself and your circle in general. There is a barricade that's built up between that and the media, that and the fan base, that and the city. But at the same time, when we talk about you winning two games this year, do you want that barricade to really come down? Do you want more microphones in your face? You want more cameras in your face talking about, well, where did it go wrong? Why do you, why are you guys playing like this? Why can't you win more games? Like, yeah, I, I get it, man. Like, you know, the, 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 there's kids out there that love an autograph, you know, and the kids are going to go, well, usually the kids are going to go up to you and be like, hey, what about the last game? What happened? They're here? not. No, I've been at middle school readings <laughs> where I'm not going to name the school, <laughs> but a, a, a child who might have been in second or third grade asked me and Russell Allen, hey, you guys can win more than two games this year? <laughs> Fair I don't know, question. man. I don't know, man. We're trying, okay? We're not trying to throw these games on purpose, little dude, okay? Thanks for your support. Let's read Thomas the Tank Engine and sit there and shut your mouth. Didn't say that, but wanted to. But you also went to another appearance, yeah. and you felt the love from people getting no, to meet Austin sure. Lane yeah. or whatever. You know what I no, mean? Uh, yeah. And I, even I, though I you were 2-14 and 14 and no, might have played sure. like crap. Yeah. Like, this team, the last two years, doesn't have the benefit of that. Yeah. And And... For a variety of reasons, I won't even get into that. I just think COVID, I genuinely feel like COVID has hurt this organization mm-hmm. more than others from that respect because of the timing of their pitiful play on the field mm-hmm. and the performances. And really, this city doesn't feel like they're that connected with that locker room or that coaching staff. It's about as distant as it's ever been. In Jacksonville, and this is kind of like a small town NFL market where you can see people in grocery stores and stuff, and we don't get that feel. No, but keep in mind, though, when Urban Meyer came in here, he tried to, you know, circle the wagons, per se. Like, he tried to interact the crowds. He was the guy that was talking to at training camp saying, we're all in this together and all that stuff. Yeah, he tried that. Like, that that was the goal, but once again, the, the, the guy that was spearheading that, the guy that had the vision, Oh, he's, a he's big gone. Part of it. Yeah, but now he's gone. I mean, he's a big part of screwing it up. Well, that's, that's, mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he's gone now. Yeah. So, like, that's out the window, and you're starting from, from, from day one again. You're starting from scratch. So, like, that hurts it as well. Listen, you bought ice cream for people at the town center when, one year. Better believe it. There's not a player on this freaking team that is allowed to do that right now. True. Or feels like they can do that right now. Yeah. Right? Uh, regardless of the record, the amount of career sacks, the amount of everything. Yeah. There's a relationship there. There's there's people. I think that matters to people in this town. I really yeah. do. And and again, I say this especially like I know we do our Thursday night show, Jaguars All Access. And I think having Shaq Griffin, we have him virtually, which is unfortunate. And that's kind of protection of COVID. And that's a team thing. I mean, he could like, again, we have James Robinson. Those guys come out. It, 
I understand the reasoning, you know, behind it. Yeah. But that guy lights up a room. Yeah. Right? It, it's hard to light up a virtual interview. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, I think to reach out and touch folks and take pictures with folks has been a problem spot of COVID for the Jags. Uh, again, it doesn't mean they would fire Trent Baalke. It doesn't mean that they would win 12 games. doesn't mean Trevor Lawrence would be better than he was his rookie year. Yeah. I think it would buy the Jags a little bit of a benefit of the doubt in some moments that they have not been afforded right now because, like I've said, it's kind of no holds barred uh, against the Jaguars right now. There's not a lot of defense for the organization yeah uh because you don't even have those you can't you can't take somebody next week to a classroom yeah. and have a or they haven't yeah for a community event no i think from the from the overall perception of it i agree with you it has hurt the franchise and i think especially when you're losing when you're winning three or two or, or one game is like a season that it almost when you do that it almost makes you more human like it brings you down a pedestal like if you're back in 2017 you're going to AFC championship games you're competing for a super bowl that puts you like in a new echelon i think with fan bases now maybe cities are different but like that's that's like that's what i feel like i i, I came from you know wisconsin where you know the packers are going to super bowls like, yeah yeah they were gods to me oh, absolutely I, mean, I go think to our Thursday night show in 2017. Yeah, yeah. See like, five deep on the sidewalk. Exactly. So, like, you know, you get put on a pedestal because, well, you're one of the best teams in the NFL. When you're at the bottom and when you find yourself with two wins, well, yeah, you're still an NFL player. You're still a professional. But now you've added more of a human element to yourself. So to agree with you here... When you can add the human element and say, man, these guys only won two games. But, yeah, I met this guy at, 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 at school Academy or Sports, at an ice cream shop, whatever the case may yeah. be. Like, there is something to be said for that, especially times like now, yeah. more than ever, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think COVID has definitely changed a perception and hurt the perception of the fan base, the players, the city overall. Yeah. And, and again, I, you know, so you can, I don't know if there's a lot you could do about it. I don't think it changed the win-loss outcome. Uh, but no. I think it's a nature of COVID, in my opinion, uh, that's bigger than, hey, this guy's not playing this week. Uh, let's get Captain Rick on real quick. Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. Thanks for hanging around through. Uh, let us finish that uh, thought there, Captain Rick. What's happening? Brandy, you make an excellent point. Uh, back in the late 90s, we knew everyone, the players. They were everywhere. And uh, you saw them around town. You saw them at kids' events. You saw them at all kind of stuff, and for whatever reason, you're right. Jacksonville does not connect with this team like it did the the original teams and the teams of the of the late '90s. But let's talk a little fishing first. Ah, tough today, tougher than I thought it was going to be. It looked to me like the wind was going to back off, and the bigger boats would be able to get offshore. Such was not the case. The wind backed off a little, but the water's dirty. Captain David Boris checked in. Late this afternoon, he managed a couple of keeper redfish today, had one over the slot and several under, but said that uh, it was really tough pickings as conditions were hard with the wind and very, very dirty water. The surprising fishing to me was the early morning surf fishing this morning. The guys that got down around the old pier early in the morning did very well on whiting redfish and drum. And I was very surprised by that because the surf's not particularly clean but that should get better tomorrow everything should get better tomorrow 
Looks like we're going to have a little less wind, maybe a little warmer temperatures. But get ready because that's the last day for a while. we got a blow coming. But we'll keep you updated on it tomorrow with another fishing report. Brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing and CSS Landscaping, where they're paying top dollar for top landscapers. Thank you, Brent. Thanks, Captain Rick. Appreciate it. Uh, have a good day, man. That's uh, Captain Rick Rouse, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. All right, let's take a break. I- hey, real quick, though. I was just thinking about this. The grocery store thing you were saying, seeing the players. Yeah. Two years ago. This is a good story. <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> Valentine's Day. I'm leaving UNF, and I'm like, shoot, I got to get Amanda flowers. So I roll into the Publix uh, right over here. Uh, Town Center? No, no, the other way. Okay. Kernan Beach. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I go over to the flowers section. And I'm, you know, picking them out. I looked to my left. Keenan. We were both getting flowers. Keenan McCardell. Yeah. There you go. Dang. Oh, baby. And I looked you at him. Hey? He kind of looked at me, and we were like, yep, here we are at 7 p.m. Valentine's Day getting flowers after work. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, but that's the kind of town this is. Yeah. You know, Buffalo's a little Small. bit like that. I think Green Bay's a little oh, bit Bay's like that. Like it's that. different in other places. True. You have to understand that. And uh, I think what's interesting about all what I just said there and what we just talked about and, and I believe it. Maybe others don't believe it as much. And again, I don't believe it will change the product on the field. I think right now it changes how we feel about the organization and the lack of defense for what's going on with the organization and maybe even a lack of insight on what potentially could be going on more inside yeah. the organization because of the lack of relationships in town from media to even fans to everybody else. I think Trevor's an interesting one in all this because he feels like this star yeah. that like even if... Like, he's not going to be showing up everywhere anyway, although half of Jacksonville seemingly has already taken a picture yeah, with yeah, Trevor yeah, Lawrence. Yeah. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, I, I've always said this about when Trevor came in the draft that day, it felt like royalty mm-hmm. had come to Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, and I still feel like he's got a little bit of that in him. Uh, again, his play has to be better and all that stuff, but I think people look at him that way in this town. That's like the one thing still to hold on to. I mean, as we enter 2022... Trevor even not playing great football is still the one thing for this organization and the fan base and everybody else to say, all right, we got this. Like, he's our compass. Yeah. Right? And and hopefully it goes north and set us up. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so, too. All right, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. That's my TED Talk for today. That was very TED Talk-ish. I liked it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I didn't even think about, you know, the past history with the Colts. I mean, obviously, like you said, I was a part of that game this season and had a chance to win it. I think that still bothers me, you know, lost by six points and had a couple chances to, to go win the game. So that's one um, definitely that we had a shot in. So um, confidence, I'd say, you know, you try to have that same level of confidence every week. I mean, yeah, it helps that we, we play this guys, these guys tough and, you know, they've had a good year and they've had a lot of games decided, even their losses that have been decided by just a few points. So um, they're even probably better than what their record says. Sports are funny. Some teams play better against others. I, I, I don't know if I'd buck the trend. I know the Jags are really bad right now and the Colts are playing for a lot and I don't think the Jags are going to win the game but I almost because this has played out in such an odd way with Indianapolis over the years I'm not going to be surprised if it's not 50 to 10 like I'd be I'd be less surprised if it's a one score game than if they lose by like 25 yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I am. Isn't, it, isn't yeah. that a weird thing, though? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you right now predict the Jags to lose by three touchdowns plus? But I don't think I will again this game because it's a weird deal with Indianapolis, man. So I, what I'm hearing, uh, Austin, is you're you're not going to take the Colts and the points? or 
What are you thinking? I mean, let's let's wait till Friday, Casey. Right? Okay. Let's because I'm let's, taking the Colts with the points. Take the Colts with the points. Yeah. yeah I mean, and logic I, says you should. I lean towards that as because well. Because Frank Reich is smart enough to figure out if you hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor, you're going to win the game. But I also think that their weapons, like the Jackal defense, just can't stop it. And I'm I'm not sold on this Jacksonville offense. So like, how are you gonna how are you gonna score and keep up? Right? Like, what has the offense showed us? Nothing. So yeah, I get it. It's a parody league, and you think eventually you're gonna stay in a competitive game. I don't see it happening with a team that's got everything to play for and a team that's got nothing to play for. I don't either, but trends are a funny thing, man. It's how no. Vegas was built. And I, I, I'm i not predicting the Jags to win the game. I'm just telling you, I think this game will be a lot closer just based off for the goofy reason of this team plays well against Indy. No, I know that. And it's a yeah. bizarre thing. Like, we could have said that if you had given us a 15-point line at four different times over the course of the last six years, you would have taken the 15-point line. And the Jags end up winning. <laughs> like, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's just bizarre. So, uh, we'll see. Hey, I think Trevor said this law. He didn't necessarily, I'm putting words in his mouth a little bit, trying to paraphrase correctly. He said the law still bothers him. How that, you know, they had the chance to go down and win at the end against Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he said it still bothers him. Uh, you know, he's, he's really not over that. that. It's obviously a highlight moment in a, in a bad way, a low light moment for him. Is there a loss that bothers you? More this year, and again, it's not like one game was going to turn into, oh, now they're going to go 12-5, and five, right? Yeah. Uh, the game that sticks out to me is, is Cincinnati. They played so well in that first half against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And if they score there, they go up 21 nothing. And I just have a hard time believing the second half goes the way it goes if they went up 21 nothing and just execute the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the one that sticks out to me because then you're talking about a little bit different of a scenario. I think that was week three. Say they go to London and win. Now they're two and three. Uh, or actually, that would be the case. Out of week four. Yeah. So it would have been like two and four. I, I don't know. It doesn't flip-flop this season. But I feel like they should have beat Cincinnati. I think they played well that game. And you almost wonder what that would have done, a win, give them some confidence. <sighs> that one's up there for sure. I mean, I'll, the first game of the season still bothers me. Oh, yeah. Because. Actually, that should. I mean, yeah, 37 to, to 21 against the Houston Texans, a team that I think we all spent some time making fun of this yeah. you know, this season, um, and they spanked you. And I guess it bothers me more, too, because the writing was kind of on the wall after that game. You know, like, we, we watched that, that game, and we said, okay, well, Trevor Lawrence threw the ball way too much. You should have ran James Robinson some more. They'll figure it out. They'll get it together. Like, Denver coming to town. Denver doesn't scare you. You might have a shot there. Thursday night, Cincinnati Bengals. You like your chances there. Like, optimism was still hot. But if you go back to that game and you see some of the things that happened during that game, some of those things stuck with the team the entire season. Now, yes, COVID happened. Injuries happened. All this stuff. But that was kind of the, 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 the telltale sign was week one against Houston, how the season was going to go. So that game bothers me for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Got one? Jets. Couldn't get one yard. Mm, that's yeah. another good one. That's a good point. And then Zach Wilson getting shoved down your throats out, you know, that whole narrative. But It's a good call. Like, the Jets in a different way, right? Because you could, if you win that game, you at least... I don't know, man. Houston was like that. Atlanta was like that. So many like that. But I get what you're saying. Just It would have been a nice Trevor moment at the very least. Mm-hmm. Even if they got beat 50 to 10 the next week against New England like they did, you would have had this Trevor moment on the drive because that was a really nice drive. And we would have couched it and said, yeah, but it was good to the Jets. So what? <laughs> so what? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to look back on it. There's so many losses to pick from. Yeah. Uh, but 
And, and again, I don't put this, you got to understand the context. I'm not really saying this, that it would have changed the way the season went. There are some losses in a season that you're like, hey, if they win this one, this, things could change. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not, I don't think there's one like that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, I think we could have maybe had a little different year, maybe a four or five win season if they get the Cincy win, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe if they get the Houston win right off the rip. Uh, not so much about the Jets. They would have three wins instead of two. True. <laughs> you know, yeah. I thought they could get a yard. I thought, I thought they could do. I thought that was Man. On two plays. Hey, by the way, you're uh, saying that Trevor threw it too many times. But I remember we did that. And I yeah. did this the other night because I was trying to bash the Cleveland Browns, but I couldn't find any stats to back it up. But I couldn't figure out why they weren't giving it to Nick Chubb. But the point is, where do you think the Jags rank in p- pass plays called this season? Or rent, pass, play, pass plays ran. Oh, I think it's pretty high, actually. I think he's thrown a lot. Uh, so playing from behind. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a percentage it's question? It's a percentage, yeah. Yeah, okay. So where do they rank in the league? Yes. Percentage-wise from pass to run. I'm going to say they rank seventh. I'm going to say, I mean, Tampa's got to be up there for sure. Ah, give me fourth. Way to go. Fourth? Fourth. Yeah. Tampa, Kansas Jets, City. Pittsburgh, oh, Jacksonville. Wait, Tampa, Jets, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Where's Kansas City on Where's that Where's Pittsburgh's Casey? decided you don't need to run to play football? Kansas City, last Kansas City is sixth. Sixth, okay. Give me, do me a favor real quick. Give me the 14th through 18th team because this is where I think the Jags should be. Okay. I think they should be in the middle of the pack in this category with a rookie quarterback. Uh, and, and they obviously weren't. Obviously, Zach Wilson and the Jets pretty high. Mm-hmm. And, and losing does have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But give me 14th to 18th. Dallas, good Minnesota. Team. Pretty good. Carolina. <laughs> Green Bay, very good. Houston, and then Cincinnati. So, boy, Cincinnati's that low? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, that's surprising. Huh, that's it surprising doesn't feel like too. they've run Mixon at all. No, not at all. Cincinnati, maybe. They, Joe Burrow's telling the truth then with Urban Meyer yeah. being able to run the ball. They run pass plays 57.99% of the time. The Jags, 60 2.55. Yeah, it's interesting, like the top to bottom, probably isn't that much a disparity. What I also think is fascinating there is the league MVP is like 17th or 16th on the list, and that's Green Bay. True. Right? Now, they've got good, two good backs. Trevor throws it 10% more of the time than Aaron Rodgers. Like, why? 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 Any guesses on who's last, by the way? Calls the least amount of passes? Pass plays? I know what you're thinking, but it's not Tennessee. Oh, I'm thinking Baltimore. Uh, nope. I was going to say where you were, you were, your stack got you was maybe the Browns. No, they're... Uh, 25th. Oh, San Francisco? Nope. You should know. You should really know. I should really know. Yeah. You have you had some bets on the Oh, line Philly. The, yeah. Oh, Philly. Oh, yeah. The Jalen Hurts being dynamic, absolutely. And by the way, they, they run, run the, the hell out of the ball. I mean, it's they had like a six-game yeah. stretch or something where they ran for 175-plus. They're yeah. the only team under 50%, 48.56. Still a good quarterback. Still a great team. <laughs> way to protect them. All day, Brent. All day. Until the season's done. Until his season is done and, and, I, and I wash my hands of him. I will say this. Not I right think now. he has run. I mean, he's got to be top two or three running. And Lamar hasn't played that much anymore. So I would bet Jalen Hurts has first, second, or third most yards from a quarterback rushing. Oh, yeah. For he's sure. got to be first. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think he's first? Kyler doesn't run that much. Nope. And Lamar's been out. And Lamar's been out. Josh Allen? Josh, Josh Allen, Allen does have a lot. He's ran. Josh Allen does run a lot. Yeah. Oh, we'll look it up. Daniel Jones. But you know, anyway, that's a, yeah. a good point. Now, you're not going to run Trevor that much. Yeah. But I think what you just said, I mean, think about what he, he just said. Yeah, he there. said Joe Hurts is a good quarterback. I heard him. <laughs> I, I think him. he said the Jags and Trevor Lawrence tried to pass 10% more of the time than Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, that speaks volumes. 
I wonder who I'm going to pick next year for my fantasy darling. Because, I mean, keep in mind, I pick Kyler year. Murray. I pick I have Lamar Jackson, then Kyler Murray, then Jalen Hurts, all in their second year. Can I make a suggestion? I mean, I know you want Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I, don't, I don't know, Brent. I don't know, man. Justin Field. I mean, Trey Lance. My, if Trey Lance is starting with that offense. Whew. All right, I'm getting to the wonder lick and questions at the Combine when we come back to wrap is up the show. calling in? Action Sports Shacks on nope. ESPN 690. all college kids that have the desire to chase a dream and go play professional football should go do it. Chase that dream. Some people, yes, they use it as a pit stop. I used it as a pit stop at the University of Southern California. I was the number one overall pick, could have left my junior year. Decided to stay. But I promise you, if I was in school today and we had played in the Rose Bowl, I would have opted out because I wasn't winning a national title. It was just a bowl game. It was the granddaddy of them all at that particular time. No one was opting out in 1996. But if this was today and I was projected as the number one overall pick, I can't help you with the roses. Ain't going to be able to do it because I have to secure my family and their future. That's Keyshawn Johnson. Listen to him in the mornings on ESPN 690, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. Keyshawn, Jay Williams, Max Kellerman. To start 2022... And something we put on the radar for tomorrow, and I know people have been talking about it. We haven't really got into it. Uh, Caleb Williams, Oklahoma quarterback. It's a pretty interesting story. Uh, and, and what are my thoughts on, on – that's not exactly who Keyshawn was talking about. He was talking about opt-ins and opt-outs. But yeah. Caleb Williams become a big story, and some people think he's a genius for doing it. Is it a slippery slope uh, potentially transferring out of Oklahoma? Uh, just this, this, We know the state of the game. It's totally different now. What I'd like to kind of talk about maybe a little bit tomorrow – and think about this. Like, when do we see, like, a leveling out of maybe some jurisdiction when it comes to the name image likeness? Like, when have we seen, like, oh, this is new, and oh, this is new, and oh, this is new, and then so some the colleges or whatever are going to react to that yeah. and say, all right, we need to have, listen, you can't, you can't transfer here just to make a million dollars, or you can't, you, there's going to be a cap, or you, you, you can't, play one school against the other like I I don't know maybe there never is no there will be I think you're gonna see a cap or you're gonna see the rules change once it starts becoming the most important recruiting tool once colleges start pushing college football coaches start pushing hey you come here you're guaranteed this money so it's almost like a contract yeah yeah because if you're you know if you're like an up-and-coming school like if you're like you know if you're trying to go back to prom it's like Miami you get the boosters together and say, hey, let's put this much money together. Let's put it aside for NIL. Let's give it to the, the new recruits coming in. And that way, you know, it, it, it's going to be a recruiting tool. So I think once that gets figured out, once, you know, the hottest high school quarterback, the five-star quarterback, number one ranked ESPN arrivals, whatever you're using as your uh, indicator, once it comes out and says he's signing here because he's about to get this NIL deal with this university, that's where you're going to see something change, I think. Yeah, you probably could. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow uh, here this week on Action Sports Checks on ESPN 690. Is the Wonderlick stupid? Yes. Is it dumb? Yes. Now I was good at it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't say I was great at it, but I was Do okay Do you remember at one it. question from the Wonderlick? I think it's available online, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all like the SAT or the, the ACTs. Okay, so here's my question. I, I've probably asked this before. Yeah. But now I've watched this team, and I really believe this. I don't... I believe the Jags have to do a better job of getting 
smarter players. Sure. Not SAT smart players. I'm talking instinctual <laughs> IQ football knowledge of the game. So then put it on the board. That's, I do. That's what, that's what the Wonderlick should be. And, Go and, on the board and show me and draw these plays up. So you're saying the Wonderlick doesn't necessarily identify no. a good football IQ player. No. The, the board w- identifies that. The Wonderlick literally shows if you're a good test taker or not. Yeah. It's all it does. It's, it's all it dumb. shows. It's dumb. No, well, I wouldn't say it's dumb because, once again, yeah. I higher score than Tim Tebow. So <laughs> it meant something to somebody. But, yeah. Do you remember what you got? Don't you have to tell us. But you got on your SATs. Oh, you know what I got on my ACT score? ACTs. Like, <clears throat> like, what I'm asking you here is you don't have to give me your results. 19. If, <laughs> and then so, I took it again and got 19. And what do you get on the Wonder Lake? Eh, 22. Okay, so my point being... If you get between 20 and 24 on the Wonderlick, do you yeah. think you get between 18 and 22 on the ACT? Oh, man. Um, yeah. I, oh, you think I, so? Well, you I, think mean, it, I don't know. It, it's, it, okay, it's, it's, it depends, man. Like Andrew I Luck think, killing the Wonderlick? Did he kill the Wonderlick? Oh, he had to have. How could he not have killed the Wonderlick? In case you looked that because up Because he quick. killed his SATs. I'm looking for it. You know? Yeah. I, I bet Andrew Luck killed the Wonderlick. To, to me, the Wonderlick was an easier ACT. Oh, it was. A little what bit it easier? Was. Yeah. He got a 37. That's not bad. What is it? Wonderlick goes up to like 48 or something, is it? I so much. 48. 48. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, and I say, correct. I got a 24 on the Wonderlick, by the way. Not a 22, whatever I said. 24. Okay, so yeah. that's what I'm but wondering. Wonder, yeah. But, I mean, I firmly believe, I think the Wonderlick's stupid. It seems stupid. I think it became a thing. Yeah. And I think they've been a, a it's, it's like, I think you can make the case some of the drills at the Combine are dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, I really do. Correct. Uh, and, so, and so I think the Wonderlick became a thing at the Combine. It became a thing at the NFL level. The, yeah, well, the, the Wonderlick, it was just put in place to say, how intelligent are these football players, okay? But, like, listen, I've shared the locker rooms with a lot of guys. Some couldn't talk a lick about everyday life or just, you know, put a sentence together. But guess what? If you want to identify a cover two or a cover three, you want to say where the blitz is coming from, you want to say, like, what kind of wide receiver is going to run the route. They can do that all day. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's football no different than the person you work with at your business. They could be as dumb as a box of rocks, but really smart business sense or street sense. Yes. Or just it's, the opposite. It's just like the bench press and the, and the combine. There's weight room strength, and then there's football strength. I don't know what Aaron Donald did. I know he didn't break the record at the combine for the bench press, but he's probably one of the strongest dudes you're going to find on a football field. Yeah. Got 25 on the Wonderlick. I have the whole. Aaron, Aaron Donald did? Yeah, what'd you get? 24. You want to know some other people that got 24? Yeah, hit me with them. Uh, Stanford, Richard Sherman. Brent, this guy. Richard Sherman. Now, this is where it might go downhill. Careful. Jalen Ramsey. Hey, listen. And I got one more, but again, not going Jaylen's the right direction. Jalen's a smart guy. Okay, that's <clears throat> helped me a little bit. Alvin Kamara. Oh, Mr. Alternative with that nose ring? I like it, man. I'm in, I'm in good company, Brent. I can give you some people you're smarter than. Yes. Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Cam Newton. Ohio State, they take basket weaving. This one's interesting. <laughs> Derek Carr. Derek Carr was smarter than Derek Carr? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that should be a TV show. How are you smarter than Derek Carr? Larry Fitzgerald. Smarter than him? Yeah. And he went, to back, he went back to Phoenix Online, too. That's, that's some endorsement, Murray State, baby. <laughs> Murray State. Hey, sorry, Larry. So sorry you got all those yards and everything. But, you know, Murray State comes through the clutch. Public Ivy League, in case you guys didn't know. Anything else? Uh, Khalil Mack, Le'Veon Bell, Julio Jones, Jadavion Clowney. Okay. Gurley, Leonard okay. Fournette, yeah. A.J. Green, and then Frank Gore got a six. A six? A six. six. What did Antonio Brown get on that? Wonderlick. He's not on the list. Unless he's higher. It, I swear if it's 24, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Here's 20, the thing. I'm at 24 26. and below, so I'm looking. 26. Right? You probably got it. 
Uh, Jameis Winston got a 27. Brett, what, do you, what do you think you're going to... Really? See, I just don't think we should be huh. judging people. No, off it's, their it's like, stupid. It's so dumb. No, Carson I, Wentz I'm got a 40. Did he really? Wow. Yeah. Did it say what Trevor got? Nah, it's an older. Oh, it's older. Okay. What do you think you would get on that? You, you'd probably be in the, the t- mid 20s, maybe yeah. 30s. I think I'd so. I'd yeah. probably be a little higher than 24, but careful, not much. Hey, careful, man. <laughs> careful, because remember, you're talking about Tim Tebow as well. And Tim Tebow had, to, Tim Tebow had himself and the man upstairs taking that <laughs> test. And I still beat him. Don't want to get into that whole thing, but I still beat him. I got to get into the other questions of the Combine tomorrow. Right. We're running okay. out of time. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Somehow I feel like that's the best way to end the show. <laughs> it's the only way to end the show. <laughs> Hope you, you and your higher power have a good rest of the day. <laughs>